What's going on? Hey there. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Shaleen Show. Whether you have children or not, you are a child of someone. So you're going to find this episode interesting. It may just spark some memories. And hopefully for some of you who are our parents or hope to be parents someday, it provides some insight. Today, I want to share with you the biggest mistakes we make as parents and how to avoid them. Number one is being miserable. And I know what you're thinking. Am I supposed to pretend that everything's rosy and glorious and there's unicorns jumping over the moon? Am I supposed to hide the fact that things are difficult right now or that their dad is a jerk or that we're really struggling? Wow, how do I answer this? I'm not suggesting that you need to hide it. I'm also not suggesting that you can't be a human. But I think there's a big difference between going through a tough time and teaching your kids how to do that and just being miserable all the time. And you and I both know that there are those people who are miserable. They're just unhappy in their lives. They hate their jobs. They hate their marriage. They hate their house. They hate the fact that the kids are unruly. Like they're just freaking unhappy and miserable. Newsflash, children believe that they're responsible for their parents' moods, feelings, and emotions. You know this to be true. If you've ever played with a little kid and done that thing where you pretend like you're really sad or you're crying and you need a hug, you notice that children immediately pick up on facial responses, they pick up on body language, and they just immediately shift into like, I want to take care of you. There's been times where I remember when kids were little, I can't remember why, but I do remember crying in front of them and kids just, they instantly respond. They notice and they feel like it's their fault. That's why you often have to you know, let the child know, oh, this has nothing to do with you, honey. Mommy's just sad and perhaps even explain why. And my point isn't about crying. My point is that children are incredibly intuitive and they pick up on our feelings they pick up on our microfacial expressions and they internalize them. So when a child is exposed to a parent who's angry or upset, frustrated, or just miserable all the time, that child begins to internalize those emotions, those feelings, and believe that they are their fault. No matter what you say, that is what a child feels. Ask a child what they wish their parents could do better or do more of, and you will find it's not that they wish they had more money or they wish they were thinner or taller or drive a nicer car or had a better business or a different job. Kids want their parents to be happy. I'm not suggesting that you have to hide your emotions, but I am asking you to take a look at yourself or maybe even think back on times when your parents were miserable or unhappy and how you as a child, how you projected those feelings onto yourself, how you may have felt responsible. The number two thing to avoid with your children is laying on the guilt. Whether you realize it or not, when you make statements like, I live my whole life for you. You are my everything. I have no purpose if it weren't for you. I would die if you moved away. I'm going to die when you go away to school. Or I miss you so much when you're at your friend's home. Or, you know, that kind of guilt. That's an unbelievable amount of pressure on a child. You are making them the center of your universe. And that's just not fair. You're making that child feel 
responsible for you, and you're an adult. That's the wrong thing to say. Knock it off. No one's purpose of existence is because of another person. We have purpose because God wants us to be here. You're also laying an ungodly amount of guilt on your child, and that child is going to resent you later if you're saying things like, you should be grateful. I sacrifice everything for you. Do you think I like working this hard? I do that because of you. Or I sacrificed my career to stay home because of you. Like the guilt, these comments that we're making because we're trying to teach our children to be grateful, that is going to backfire on you. That is not the way we teach gratitude. What you're doing is laying on a guilt trip and expecting them to feel gratitude. And what they're going to feel is resentment. And resentment is the most difficult emotion to overcome. When we tell our children, like, I have to make all of these sacrifices because of you, because my children are everything, or because we want to provide for you in a way that we weren't provided for. We want you to have a better life than what we had, or I want you to have the things that I never had, or you should be so grateful because I never got to, or my mother never did, and my father did this. Those kinds of statements, they just build resentment. You're laying on a guilt trip on a child, and they didn't ask for any of these things. They didn't ask for you to provide for them. They didn't ask for you to bring them into this world. They didn't ask for you to make these sacrifices. You're making them, and it is your own adult decision to make them. So stop laying that guilt trip at the feet of your children. There are wonderful ways to teach children to have gratitude, and guilt is not one of them. Next, stop tolerating tension and arguments and upheaval, anger, and fighting to exist and be a normal part of your household. Of course, it's normal for parents to argue. Of course, it is common for even kids to get in disagreements with their parents. But what that looks like can vary dramatically, and the effect that it can have on children can be incredibly harmful. In fact, studies show that it has a long-term negative effect on the mental health and development of children when they grow up in a household where there was violence or there was a major tension that was always an underlying fighting or there were constant arguing, shouting matches, angry tension between parents or even parents who are giving each other the silent treatment. Like your kids are so acutely aware of what is going on, even when we think We're having an argument on the DL, like we're shooting each other looks across the room and we're speaking in code because we don't want to argue in front of the children. Trust me, even very young infants are aware that something is not right. As a matter of fact, a really cool study has been done where they followed families over several decades looking at the way homes were set up and These experimental studies suggested that children as young as six months who were exposed to conflict between their parents had an increased heart rate and much higher stress hormone responses, ultimately resulting in mental health issues. Infants, children, and adolescents can show signs of early disruption in their brain development. They will show signs of sleep disturbances, anxiety, depression. They will act out and have problems with their conduct as a result of living in an environment where there's just chronic interpersonal conflict. When parents are fighting, when siblings are fighting, when there's fighting and conflict in a household, 
it's not good for us mentally or physically. And again, children blame themselves for arguments. You know, you hear people say all the time, oh, the kids are great. You know, the kids, they're so resilient. But are we looking at how it's manifesting in their behavior? Is your child acting out in school? Is your child self-harming or struggling with sleep, eating, anxiety, aggressive behavior towards other kids? More often than not, kids are resilient, and these things don't always show up until they're in their late teens and 20s, sometimes in their 30s. Sometimes these things don't even get resolved until we're in our 40s and we finally go talk to a therapist. But if arguments are a normal part of parenting or a normal part of being married, I guess, then how do you handle it? Well, for one, argue in private to the best of your ability. But don't forget that children are always listening. Our kids are going to notice when we're arguing, even when we think we're doing so in private. What matters most is how our kids interpret and understand the cause of the conflict. You know, that's something that Brett and I did when the kids were young, is if we did get in an argument, which was rare, we would always let the kids know, you know, mom and dad are disagreeing and we love each other very much and we're going to figure this out. It has nothing to do with you guys. This is something that we do and we're going to figure it out. That's what we're doing. And help them understand and let them see us holding hands, let them see us hugging, let them see that we loved each other after the conflict was resolved. We never shouted. We never screamed at each other. We never, ever called each other names. We were never cruel or mean because children watch. I mean, they look at our behaviors and that's how they will then behave. By the way, today's show is sponsored by our friends at Organifi and you get 15% off all products with code Shaleen when you go to Organifi.com forward slash Shaleen. So Organifi is my go-to company when it comes to finding 100% USDA certified organic products that improve my overall health, my immune system, my brain health, my cognition. And what I love about the supplements that Organifi offers is you can mix them with water. How wonderful is that? Organifi Gold is what I drink at night. I just gave it to my girlfriend, Mia. Hi, Mia, if you're listening. And she loves it too. She was like, it's a really difficult flavor to describe. It's true. So it's creamy and it's delicious. And it kind of tastes like a hot chocolate, but almost a earthy hot chocolate. And we both agreed that it tastes best if you mix it with a little bit of oat milk or almond milk, then it really tastes very creamy. But it's got less than one gram of sugar. And it by drinking this at night, number one, it's going to kick your sweet tooth. And it's loaded with nine different superfoods. And it's going to help you get into deep sleep. And it's great for recovery. Mia's my personal trainer. So, you know, we always talk about recovery. You're going to love it. It helps you fall into REM sleep faster. It increases your delta sleep. And these are all the things you really need to help repair your brain and your muscles and everything else. Okay, speaking of brain health, I love drinking Organifi Pure for cognition. It's got 11 superfoods in it. It's got compounds that are specifically formulated for brain health, mental performance. With my ADHD, I think I've told you guys many times, I've been able to titrate down on my Adderall. I take a very low dosage of that because I think mainly because I'm taking all of the right ingredients to help my cognition. This product is clinically proven to boost 
brain-derived neurotropic factor by up to 142%, which means you're going to think sharper. It improves your memory. It improves your responsiveness, and it helps to improve the brain-gut connection. This is really important for memory, etc. All of their products are amazing. Check them out by going to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Again, it's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Shaleen. When you use the code Shaleen, you get 15% off everything. You'll love it. All right, back to the show. Yeah, it's normal to argue. It's normal to disagree sometimes. But if you're always fighting, if you're always arguing, if there's always tension in your home, you've got to fix that. You have children. This is your responsibility. Like you have to fix this. You've got to go to therapy. You've got to put aside your own ego. And the two of you have to know that your children's development matters more than who's right or who's wrong. Your child feeling safe and protected and calm and peaceful in their home is their right. And if you want that for them in their lives, then you've got to role model that. The next thing you want to avoid with your kids, no matter what age they are, whether they're 21 or two, is fixing, correcting, criticizing, even when you think you're just trying to be helpful. It's the mother who, when their daughter comes into the room and they're really proud of their outfit that they've picked out, it's the mother who says, oh, that's really sweet. Now, I don't think the blouse matches the pants, and I think you should go back and change. I think you should pick out a different blouse for those pants, or I don't like the way that fits on you, or I don't like the way that looks on you. It's criticizing your child's art. It's criticizing their best effort, even though you think you're trying to help them get it right or make it perfect. What they're hearing is, you're not good enough. You didn't do it right. And for those of us, I'm going to put myself in that category, who are are know-it-alls, who just want to fix kind of everything. We do it from the best place possible, but it is so damaging to a child because then they begin to believe that they can't figure these things out, that they're always going to get it wrong. And these are the kids who believe they have to be perfect. These are the kids who are afraid to make their own decisions. These are the kids who turn into adults who are afraid to step into their greatness, afraid to take risks, afraid to try things that would allow them to experience their true potential. These are the people who are held hostage by the belief that, why should I even bother? It won't be good enough. I never get it right. It's never quite right. And It is such a common thing to continue to do even as your children get older. We think we're being helpful. We think we're just offering a a little suggestion. But every single time you do that, the message your child receives is it's not good enough. And therefore, the child feels they are not good enough. This is the child who turns into an adult who settles for a spouse who they know isn't good for them settles for a job that's unfulfilling, settles for the things that don't really make them happy because they don't believe that they're good enough to ask for more. Next is dismissing your child's opinion or input. If our goal is to raise happy, confident adults, we have to teach them that they should and can believe in themselves. We have to teach them the skills that are required to speak up for themselves, 
to question the way we do something. And that's not to debate. We'll talk about that one in just a moment. But it is to offer and create opportunities where you can ask for your child's opinion. When shouldn't you do this? When you need to discipline them. When there is a very specific boundary or guideline or rule and we don't compromise and we don't negotiate on that, especially in the moment. But let's say, for example, that you have a curfew for your child that's at 11 p.m. and your child comes in every night at 11 p.m. The time to negotiate and talk about that curfew is not at 11.05 p.m. If your child wants to talk about that, then what you allow them to do is to bring to you the reasons why they might need to extend it or the reasons why they believe they've earned the ability to gain your trust and why that's not working for them or why they feel that they want to re-examine their curfew time. That should be done during the day. That should be done at the right time. But you're allowing them to come to the table and to be heard and to listen to their ideas. And you know that's just one example. But generally speaking, allow your children the opportunity to be heard when the time is appropriate. You're actually teaching them how to have healthy debate, how to have healthy conflict resolution. If there's only one way and we don't talk about it, and the only way that we do is when everyone's heated and excited and in an argument, we're not teaching our children how not to have arguments. Teach your children how to have conflict resolution by learning how to communicate and when to communicate. And next, my final suggestion is this. Give your children the experience of providing for themselves. I did an Instagram post on this recently, and I saw that you know quite a few moms and dads took offense to the suggestion. So I'm going to try to do a little better job of explaining it. It is my belief that you don't necessarily have to have your child buy a car. But Brett and I did. We had our kids buy cars. Not that we think everyone needs to have their kids buy their own cars, but we do believe, and it's my opinion, that you are going to teach your child that they can do for themselves if you teach them how to do for themselves. And most importantly, when it comes to finances and money, you want to teach your kids that they have the ability to make their own money, not to support themselves, because obviously you're the parent, that's your job, not to have a full-time business because kids should be kids. But I do think every child needs the experience of learning how to create their own income, make their own money, whether that's reselling their old shoes or their old video games or things that they're not using or doing chores or activities around the neighborhood that help neighbors out, like whatever it is, you want to teach your child, all right, set a goal for yourself, this thing that you want to buy, whether that's a car or a iPhone or something that's really important to them, that it would be very easy for you to provide it for them. But in just giving your child that thing, you're not giving them the experience that they can do for themselves. And again, ultimately, we want to raise children who are confident and self-sufficient and believe in themselves. And us just repeating that phrase over and over again, you can do anything. You need to believe in yourself. Like those are just words. Kids need that experience. They need evidence. They need to know, yeah, my mom and dad said I could do this, but I actually did it. And I feel pretty good about myself. And that will encourage them to try it again. It will give them the peace of mind to know that they are never without options. Today, 
anyone can make money online without any income to start with, without having to make an investment. Your kids already know how to do this. I guarantee you this. Set them up for that, though. And the next time they ask for something major, whatever that is, I don't know what that's going to be. My suggestion is to get excited and say, yeah, I think that's awesome that you want a new iPhone. That's great. So how much are they? Okay, cool. So let's come up with a plan for you to make that money because that would be really amazing for you to be able to, you can just buy it yourself. How cool would that be? Oh, you want that kind of a car when you're 16? That's a great idea. Let's come up with a plan and let's figure out how you're going to make that money because you can do it. Maybe you're matching you know, a percentage of their investment or what it is they save. But most importantly, you're giving them that firsthand experience, that evidence that they, in fact, can do anything they set their minds to. Listen, we're going to mess it up. We were definitely not perfect parents, but we definitely did our best. And we read every parenting book we could get our hands on. To this day, I still listen to parenting podcasts. I still listen to relationship books. And I listen to those books thinking, how can I improve my marriage? How can I improve my relationship with my adult children? How can I be a better role model to them? How can I help them to be better in their relationships? Like It doesn't go away. When your kids are adults, which mine are now, you're still having to be a great parent. It's important. There's still work to be done. And when you do that work, it improves your relationship with your children and it improves your children's relationship with their partners and their belief in themselves. And that's why we did this. It's the legacy, right? Well, I hope this has been helpful. I'd love to hear your thoughts and if this brought up anything about your own parents or maybe some things that you think you could do differently with your kids. We talk about this stuff inside my private Facebook group. I'd love to invite you. It's for anyone who listens to the show, Build Your Tribe and The Shaleen Show. Just go to Facebook and type in Shaleen's Pod Squad, and that's where we talk about this stuff. I'd love to have you there. But I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you for all the reviews. You guys are so amazing. You know, there's always that, I feel like a couple of crazy people that like, geez, I mispronounced a word and they're giving me a one star. My word. (laughs) Hope you're perfect over there. But for those of you who've left a five-star and a detailed review, I appreciate it. I know it's not easy to figure out how to do that on the app. So if you do that, take a screenshot of it and send it to me on Instagram so I can personally thank you. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.